general of the army. And Franklin said this, well, John, he's six foot three. He has to lead something. So here you have Lincoln, this very tall man, destined to lead something. His first year in Congress, he's going to challenge the Democrat president, who he calls him is, is warmongering. Lincoln is going to challenge the president of the United States that he's trying to pick a war with the Mexicans. It's known as the Lincoln Spot Resolutions, where he believes that President Polk is naming and claiming uh, some kind of spot where Americans were killed on American soil. And Lincoln stands up as a rookie to the president and says, take me to the spot. I want to see where the Americans were killed on American soil, because I think you're lying. I think these Americans were provoking a war, and they got killed on Mexican soil, and you're lying about it. My point is this. There's always been corruption, always, when it comes to warmongering and calling out wars and war instigating. It's not a new trend. It's a very long, ongoing trend. And there Lincoln began to set himself as a, as a leader and apart from other people. The same year was also the year of his firstborn son. Uh, sorry, his second son. Second son was born in 1846 as well. There is his second son, Eddie, known as Edward. Um, as you can tell, Eddie did not live very long. Uh, he got diphtheria and he dies as a four-year-old boy. That's the only picture we have of Eddie. In 1850, we see the first blow to Lincoln's world. Shattered by this, Lincoln has four boys, one Robert, one Eddie, Willie, and Tad. A few years later, we're going to see Willie is born in 1850. And it's amazing how, how God takes and also God gives. The same year they lost a son, uh, they gained another one. Willie, out of, out of the four boys, Willie was... If you can call favorites, it's going to be Willie's and Lincoln's favorite. They're just more alike. You know, uh, Lincoln was very involved in studies, very serious. He was a lawyer. Um, he was very meticulous in how he did things. He went through a process where most people would just kind of rush into it. You know how guys are, what instructions? You know, we just kind of just rush right into the thing. Where Willie was different, he actually was instructions and very meticulous as he went through the process. Um, 1860 was the year of Lincoln's election. 1861 was the inauguration. 1861 was also the beginning of the Civil War. The war had begun, and within the next year, you're going to see his favorite son pass away from typhoid fever. We have one more son named Tad, and Tad will live until 1871, which will be after Lincoln's death. To show you the process, how the president can aid you, this is Lincoln in 1861. This is his photograph of his inauguration, March 4th, 1861. I'm going to fast forward to 1863. This is two years later, two years into the war. This is actually, I think, two weeks prior to the Gettysburg Address. At this point, Lincoln has lost two boys. He is in the midst of the bloodiest wars, not one of the bloodiest war in American history. At this point, Lincoln is seeing that the war is something of 
biblical numbers. The numbers that are coming in for his deaths, they look as if these are, these are God-like Old Testament numbers. Philistine slaughtering numbers. The Gideon-type numbers. These are just numbers that are just beyond Lincoln's calculation. And Lincoln sees it as judgment. You're going to see in the speech today that he is a reference to the founding fathers. That the idea that all men are created equal. And for 87 years, we've ignored it. There's a race in America that's been treated as, not even as citizens, but as property. With all this being said, Lincoln feels himself at a moment, at a precipice where God's judgment is now standing on not only on America, but how he leads in this crisis. I want to show you Lincoln. This is, I believe, a week or so before he is assassinated in 1865. So to back up, here's 1861. Here's 1863. There's 1865. This man went through a crisis. You see it on his face. See how he's aged. With that being said, I now want you guys to hear Lincoln's Gettysburg Address from this context as a broken man without answers and sees that this has to be a God thing because this is bigger than him. This is beyond him. So please welcome me, the 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Is to add commentary to the speech which Lincoln did not. Lincoln never quotes directly from Scripture in his address. But during the highlight of the Second Great Awakening in the 1840s and 50s and 60s, the language that Lincoln was using was understood. They understand what he was saying and what he was alluding to. Can you imagine? The territory you're giving a speech. This is, this is a four and a half months after the actual three days of battle. Please understand that there were still body parts on the field. You still had the stench of death in your nostrils while sitting and standing, listening to this address. Behind Lincoln, there were actually caskets to be loaded onto the train that he got off of. They were still dealing with the death of this battle. He began the idea of four score and seven years ago. Why not just say 87 years? A score is 20. So four score, four times 20 is? Plus seven. A bright group this morning. A bright group this morning. 87 years. Why not just say 87 years ago? When you use the language of the Bible, it causes attention. When you use phrases from the Bible, it causes one to stop and listen. Four score. And seven years ago, I want to bring this up to you guys, some verses. 
from Psalms 90. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For Lincoln, that secret sin has now been public and now been warred over. It's the sin of slavery. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Verse 10 is the apex of this set of verses. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by any reason of strength they be fourscore years, it is yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. We knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear. So is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. What this score is for Moses, and Moses who wrote this psalm, is the term of a human life. This is when a human life comes to an end. What Lincoln is saying is this, that America has now outlived its human life. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers, for Lincoln, he saw a direct connection between the fathers, not only of Jefferson and Adams and Franklin. He sees this, the fathers of the founding of, of the Jews. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were promised in Genesis and passed down that they were to inherit Something that they were conceived into them, a new birth, a new idea, a promised land that was set for them. If they would just dedicate themselves and be faithful and true, they will receive and inherit something beyond they could ever imagine. It was theirs. And each fell. And they never inherited what's promised to them. And here is Moses, all the irony given this psalm here. Who Moses, who led the people out of bondage, out of Egypt. Moses, the emancipator. Look who's giving this speech now. The emancipator. What an amazing connection here. Jefferson penned in the rough draft of the speech of the Doctrine of Independence that slavery was to be banned. It was complete opposite of our founding principles. But he says this, I don't have any solution for it. So he wrote it in the Church of Independence, and they crossed it out. He says, no, 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 no. We are, today is independency. We will do emancipation some later date. And there begins the process of leaving what our founding fathers had in mind for us. Moses in the same spot that he, he, we have now left off to where our patriarchs had left for us. We begin, or ends the last part of the speech. We are now engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long 
endure. If you look at the old, the old covenants, look at the test that God provided in the Old Testament. Failure after failure after failure after failure. We have now outlived our human life. We saw Jefferson fail. Franklin fail. If you fast forward to, to 1820 and look at things like the Missouri Compromise, I'm back up before that. Let's look at the Constitution. In the Constitution, there was a thing called the Three-Fifths Compromise, where out of every five slaves, three would be counted as people. For two reasons. The more people you have, the more representation you have in Congress. The more people you have also, when it comes to the census, more votes you have also for the presidency, electoral college. So in 1787, we see a step kind of in the right direction for every five slaves, three are counted as people. By 1857, which is just six years before this speech was given, a thing called the Dred Scott decision was passed down from the Supreme Court. And in Dred Scott, they said that blacks are property, not people. Lincoln sees another failure. We have failed again and again and again. And this is the judgment. We were conceived and dedicated to the idea that all men are created equal. I find this fascinating when it comes to, if you look at Romans, when it looks at the, for the Gentiles and the Jews, where it says the cross came to flatline everyone. It says the Jews were near and the Gentiles were far away, but no one was there. The Jew was not there. They were closer because they had the law. They had a knowledge of God. The Gentile was far off. But no one was there actually at the point of where they were holy. They needed the cross. And for so long, they were conceiving this idea and dedicated this idea that they had fallen short and fallen short and fallen short. Just as we were in America, we've fallen short and fallen short and fallen short. And Lincoln said, this is, this is, the, this is the judgment that's passed down upon us. Next part of the speech, listen to this. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a resting place for those who here gave their lives that the nation might live. You can probably look at this behind me and see where he is going with this one. He sees the act of these soldiers as laying down their life. Please understand that America is the only country in all of human history in which the majority fought, bled, and died to liberate the minority with their own country. I'll say it again. America is the only country in all of human history in which the majority fought, bled, and died to liberate the minority within their own borders. 
Only one. They gave their full devotion. These men fought and bled and died for a people that they did not know. But the idea and principle they did know. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not comparing these soldiers to what they did in Gettysburg to the act of Jesus Christ on the cross. That would be a ridiculous comparison. Because Jesus knew you. He knew every single hair on your head. He adored you, loved you. They gave his only begotten son for you. But if you look at the parallels between this speech here and this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but eternal life. There were a lot of mamas and a lot of dads who lost their only sons in this cause. To an idea that all men are created equal. Please understand that Jesus, by the work of the cross and his faithful and obedience, has now made us all equal. That we're able to now approach the very throne room of God this morning with full confidence because of the grace and faithfulness and obedience of the work of Jesus Christ in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. These men on this battlefield will not be resurrected. No, 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 no. They cannot be, but what Lincoln's going to argue is this. They cannot be resurrected. There's no new birth for these guys here. But maybe the idea of America can be reborn. A new freedom, a new liberty, a new nation. Do you guys know before the Civil War, we referred to America as the United States are. Plural. The United States are Virginia and Georgia and yada, the other states. It is after this war where the United States is. One. One. The cross made us one. Took every gender, class, flatlined us all. Next speech. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. This one word stuck out to me. This word struggled. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here. In the King James Version, which Lincoln would definitely use in this time period, the word struggled only appears only one time in the King James Version. And it appears between Jacob and Esau in the womb of Rebekah. A civil war. A brother against brother. Isn't that fascinating? In the womb, brother against brother, fighting for the birthright. What was theirs? My way, my right. If you look at the Civil War, it was my right. The word struggled appears only one time in the King James Version. Between Jacob and Esau, a civil war, a brother feud of a birthright 
who's right, who's wrong, inheritance. At this point, I want you guys to hear the whole speech again. From beginning to end, this time with no commentary, no interruptions from Mr. Lincoln. Then we'll bring out three points and we'll close it out. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. We are now engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield as a final resting place We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate. We cannot consecrate. We cannot hollow these grounds. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above the poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what was done here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the finishing, to finish the work which they have fought so far to nobly advance. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we may take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last measure of devotion that we have highly resolved that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish. If you saw the speech, there were three things that I highlighted There are three themes in this address that I've noticed. There is a birth, there is a death, and there is a new birth. I find that very fitting this morning for an invitation. You were born dead. You were born into sin. We were born with an inheritance that was born in full, complete depravity. The first Adam fell. Thank God for a new Adam. Lincoln argued for America to find a new birth, a new life. It has to go through the death. The death of an injustice. The death of an an inherited practice that was deplorable. It must put it to an end and find a new birth.
Whose understanding was put to death in you. You were put to death. You were deplorable. There's nothing good in you apart from Jesus Christ. This morning, if you don't know him, I encourage you to no longer be a slave to sin. Many of these people in slavery were slaves physically. They were not enslaved spiritually. There were many, many black churches and spiritual. They longed for deliverance and sang of their deliverance and knew of their coming deliverance. Swing low, sweet chariot. That's a song of deliverance. Coming forward to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Those in slavery had no hope in this, this life. They long for the eternal. This morning, if you are a slave to sin, it's been dealt with. You've been emancipated. You are free and no longer bound to that position or that condition anymore. We're about to sing a song in a little bit. I'll have the band begin to come up. And we're going to kind of do a flip-flop service. We're going to kind of do an invitation right now. At the invitation, we're going to have the ushers come forward, take our offering, also get the announcements after our offering. But this morning, if you know that you've never had the new birth, that you see yourself in bondage, entrapped, ensnared to you, to your own life, and you see no way out, there is a way out. It was done on the cross and done in your place. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's for you. You're the whosoever in that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, so much for this amazing day, Lord, in your house. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you bring circumstances in our life to break us. Little by little, step by step, you break us. We see the end of ourselves and the beginning of you. This morning, I pray, I pray this morning that we are resting in that fact that you have come to save and to restore that you are the great emancipator. And through the crisis of our life, you are steadfast and you are so faithful and so good. This morning as we sing, I pray we can sing these psalms with complete freedom this morning in spirit and in truth, with complete liberation that we are no longer a slave to sin with full confidence, a child, a living child, awake and alive child to God. In Christ we pray.